me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes. You're out at the old ball game. Welcome to Slow Pitch, a podcast that takes sports movies too seriously, or perhaps not seriously enough. We're your hosts, Sean Williams and Brad Etherly, two guys who consider watching sports movies a type of aerobic exercise. Today's episode is a review of the 2006 classic, Glory Road. almost forgot what it was for a second. Yeah, here we are. Glory Road. Glory Road. When did Remember the Titans come out? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that came out six years earlier, so they had plenty of time to study it for this movie. Yeah, I thought it was a cheaper, not as well done uh, Remember the Titans, for sure. But, you know, it's a, it's a feel-good story of, of races coming together and overcoming adversity. I guess Remember the Titans was a true story, too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they're similar in that they are based on true stories with plenty of creative liberties taken along the way. I'm assuming so. Do you know what true story I'm looking forward to reviewing on this? Karate Kid? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe Hoosiers or... Is Hoosiers a true story? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it's in the same vein as Glory Road. It's well, yeah. it, it's based on something that happened. No. Have you ever seen the Mark Wahlberg classic Invincible? <laughs> yes, I have. It's actually a pretty fun movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is fun. Guy off the streets makes it on an NFL roster. I know. Yeah, so Glory Road, though, one thing I was confused about, I guess, did they ever actually mention the title in the film? No, it's, it was the name of the book. I mean, this movie's based uh, off of a book that was written by Don Haskins. Like, I can't remember when he, when he wrote the book. Like, it might have been a few years earlier. Glory Road is referencing a road that, like, leads into campus at Texas Western, which I guess is now University of Texas, El Paso. Yeah, UTEP. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been maybe something to help explain the title <laughs> i figured it was the pathway to the national championship you know i guess yeah i, I guess. guess it's maybe a, a double meaning there yeah but without knowing that it's a road that leads into the to the university it's kind of like i mean they yeah. could have shown that as the coach was coming to interview or something like maybe just a sign that said glory road or something who knows yeah, I'm pretty. I'm, I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere in my um, never-ending prep for this podcast. <laughs> my never-ending prep only consisted of. So, in fact, it was very ending. Looking at the goofs section of IMDb <laughs> for yeah. one particular reason, and we'll get into that later. But I did not find the goof that I was looking for, so <laughs> we'll talk about that later. The first thing I noticed was the hilarity, and and they only did it a couple of times really at the beginning. They didn't really continue this throughout the movie, which I was a little upset about, was the quaint Southern sayings that, that especially the coach, kept saying. Yeah. And I just just wrote down, 
I actually wrote down three of them. The first one was something about it, it'll take your socks off faster than a twister in Texas or something like that. <laughs> right. And right. He said to the mom when he was visiting one of the players, this pie makes me mad at my mama. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like these are not real sayings. <laughs> no, no. It, well, yeah, they the way that the I guess even though they're in El Paso, well, the way that the south is portrayed is it's a little cartoonish at, at some points in the movie, uh, for sure. Yeah. The other one, and this kind of reminded me of Varsity Blues a little bit with the radio announcers but there was a point in one of the games where the announcer said douse the fire and call in the dogs <laughs> right. like, well what, and th- what this does is that a, mean this is another one of those movies like varsity blues where i'm not 100 percent sure if the like the announcers are there for exposition in some ways mm-hmm. like kind of telling us what's going on uh so that we know in the plot but like I sometimes get confused if I'm hearing radio announcers or they like the, what they're saying is being heard over the PA in the gym. Like, like they're like, they're the stadium announcers. Yeah. Sometimes I do too. I guess I just always default to either radio or TV in my head, because if it's a PA, you know, (laughs) I mean, typically they're only like Don Latin for two points. Or yeah. something like that, well, you know, right. instead of douse the fire and call in the dogs. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, it was kind of the same in Air Bud, too. He's right! Where you had, <laughs> it's like, like the announcers are like, oh, the coach made a questionable call there. Let's see what happened. Like, and you're like, this is a high score. It's a junior high game. It's not being broadcast on a, for an Air Bud, at least. He's right! It's uh, not being it's not being broadcast on television or the radio, I wouldn't think. So this guy is just basically giving a commentary uh, that includes a lot of his opinions just for moms and dads to hear in the stadium. <laughs> That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that that portion of Air Bud, but yeah. He's right! Not going to be on the radio. <laughs> Glory Road is about the 1965-1966 Texas Western University basketball team winning the, the national championship. And what makes it so impressive is that it's kind of this watershed moment in sports where I guess other teams had African-American players on, on their teams. I was kind of surprised to see Iowa with a African-American player on it, <laughs> on, its, on the team. <laughs> Iowa does not scream, you know, <laughs> being on the vanguard of, mm-hmm. 1960s african-american players but well i think uh, they played indiana at some in the semifinals or no was it the semifinals they played the only two sh- teams they showed them playing were kansas and kentucky oh right, right. as far I mean, as was, in the tournament kansas. yeah it was kansas yeah. kansas and i actually looked that up they play in the movie they play kansas and then they play kentucky right after that in real life, Kansas was yeah. the Elite Eight game. And, and they, they played beat, like Utah or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and, that must uh, have been a boring game. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was kind of surprised that Iowa had an African-American player. But anyways, the Texas Western team had five 
African-American starters compared to all the other teams that had African-Americans on them, but not all five starters. Which is, yeah, which the, the, the premise of this movie seems sort of hilarious now because it's like at, in the time in 1966, it was like, what? I know. Five, five black guys are going to be better than five white guys at basketball? There's no way. <laughs> like and, 50 years from now, there's going to be a movie about five white starters. Yeah. The greatest underdog team uh, <laughs> in college basketball history. And they're Paul. all going to look like that big, big oaf on uh, <laughs> Texas Western's team. Hey, yeah. Listen, Folky Fulkerson for the Tennessee Vols is pioneering that right now. Yeah. One thing I took away from this, you know, at the very beginning, first of all, I like how the movie makes it seem like he made the jump from like, you know, girls high school basketball championship right. to NCAA championship in, in one year's time. And he had actually started coaching in 1961 at te- Texas Western. So it took him yeah. <laughs> five or six years to, to actually yeah. get that, get to that point as they show him going and recruiting. And he's, I guess he's in Chicago or New York or something. And there's mm-hmm. a whole, like a whole bunch of black basketball players. And he's like challenging one that, you know, <laughs> can't get past him or whatever. And he's like a 45 yeah. year old white guy. Yeah. I just, I thought, man, this has got to be really tough to be, an actor who's also good at basketball, because let's be honest, most of the time, <laughs> you know, if you've got an actor trying to play a sport, it, it doesn't really come across right. Sure. Which we get to major league and what's his name? Doyle, the old pitcher in major league. Oh yeah. 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 Like he like barely bends his back ever on a pitch. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I keep getting off top. No, that's fine. But I thought, man, it has to be incredibly tough to be a good basketball player and an actor, but also act like you're playing basketball in 1965. Because yeah. it is, you know, you can take a good basketball player now and try to make them play like 1965, and it would probably be very difficult, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't necessarily thinking completely about that aspect of it, how tough it would be to act like a 1965 basketball player. The thing that I was thinking about when I watched that scene where he is basically telling him not to play like the Globetrotters or whatever, or, uh, and cause he kept DN him up. He's like, try this like stutter step thing and you see how that works. And he's still the one guarding him. Like it's not like he brought in an all, American defensive player to try to stop him. It's still this coach and he's just given him some advice on how to stop him. Like coach Haskins could have just let him drive by and been like, see, I told you that would work. Yeah, but, that's true. That's true. <laughs> because like after he does it, everyone's like, Oh yeah, that, that did work. And I'm not sure that everyone would just automatically believe that. Well, and you know, they only try to make it look like it's 1965 basketball at certain points. <laughs> and right, we'll get into right. this later, especially during the tournament. I feel like they kind of throw caution to the wind as far as what style of basketball play uh, playing is, is occurring. You know, one other thing I thought was funny, uh, you know, after he assembles the team and there's seven black guys on the team, they hold their their first practice and 
he's trying to teach the fundamentals to them because he doesn't want them to to play circus style as he calls yeah. it. And they show this one scene where they're like doing the tiny dribbles, the real fast where it's barely coming off the floor. And I was right. just like, man, that was a big deal at one point. Like that skill, <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no reason you'll ever need that skill in a basketball game. But like when I was in third, fourth, fifth grade, that was like the one thing other than like, spinning it on my finger that I would try to do is just that real red a tat 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 on the, on the floor. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Well, and so the not wanting to play, he doesn't want him to play circus ball, which is, is that, that's like code for black basketball, street, right? Street black basketball. Yeah. yeah. He kind of gives it up pretty quick too. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if we're ready to talk about this yet, but when they're in that game, I can't remember which game it is. It might be like their second game of the season. They're getting killed by somebody. And it might have been, and I think it was Iowa. Um, it was the yeah. fourth. Yeah, I was ranked fourth. They're getting killed by Iowa. The point guard, Billy Joe, whatever his name is. Williams? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that his, no, Billy, no Billy, Bobby Joe Hill. Sorry. Bobby Sorry. Joe Hill. That's right. Yeah. He's like, you got to, he's like, you got to let me play my style. Which, okay, we know that means like loose, doing trick passes, dunking and stuff. And coach says, we're going to do it your way and my way. Like mid-game. And they somehow figure that out. Like what? Because <laughs> I, 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 was, I, was like, I was like, what does that mean, your way and my way? Like, like how do they, <laughs> how do they know? In, like, in the course of one time out, they figure yeah, out how yeah, that works. Well, well, they don't even talk about it. They, like, they're just like... He's like, you got to let me do it my way. He's like, all right, do it your way and my way. And then they just go out there and start dominating. And we just kind of move on like, oh, okay. Uh, we all, we know what that is now. What did you think about the, the actual in-game action that they showed? Well, I mean, if we're c- comparing it to like Teen Wolf, it's way better. <laughs> uh, like Teen Wolf just like recycles the same footage over and over. I thought, you know, I thought that this was... You know, not uh, given the fact that these are people who have to be able to, like you said, play basketball and act. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was not not terrible. I thought I thought they did better as the movie went along. Those first couple of games, I just felt like, and maybe this was intentional to show them to show us that it was kind of a slog at first that they had to kind of figure out what they were doing. But even like when they showed the coach, instead of like him being passionate, he'd be like that was out of bounds, yeah. you know, instead of being like, that was out of bounds. You know, yeah. or, anything like that. or what are you doing? He's like, what are you doing? He's just kind of flatly stating a question or a, a reprimand to one of the players. And he, yeah, it, it was just a, it was an interesting way of showing how those first couple of games went. And maybe, like I said, maybe they did that on purpose, but it was, I thought it was rough, especially the first game. But I do think that they got better as they went on. Um, but well, I, at first, I thought, man, Air Bud's action sequences are better <laughs> than this. He's right. Well, uh, you know, okay. So what I thought was terrible was Don, Coach Haskins, coaching. Like in these games, yeah. like <laughs> they'll cut to him. Like he never comes up with like a genius strategy, e- even one that we don't fully understand, like Hoosiers. They at least hmm. say, okay, here's the picket fence. Like you, you may not fully understand the play, the picket fence, 
but you know, it's something that Dennis Hopper helped design and, and it well, works. They've worked know? on it. It's something that yeah, they've it, worked on. Yeah. They worked on Haskins coaching is like, get back on defense hustle. Like yeah. he's, he's, he's saying these just like most, the most generic things. And that's somehow like allowing this upstart team to beat the fourth ranked Iowa Hawkeyes or Kansas or whoever. I was looking at some of the information about these games and they actually blew out their first opponent by like 50 points. But in the movie, they had them win by like one point or something Uh, like that. But yeah, it was, it was funny because I mean, I felt like the, the actual basketball playing was good but you're right. It was the coach and the way he was being filmed, kind of coaching them up mid game. I just felt like it just didn't, it, it wasn't congruent with the action and what, you know, how, you know, how coaches actually respond in game. But maybe, maybe they were more reserved in 1965. They weren't throwing chairs or whatever, <laughs> yelling at the refs, but that would, that would be interesting to see. I, I liked, and this is getting a little ahead of, of everything, but at the very end they showed some clips from the actual championship game. And I've never really sat down and watched an old like 1960s basketball game. And I think, I think that that would be an interesting thing to see. I was having lunch with my dad today, and he snuck in to the Stokely Fieldhouse on the University of Tennessee's campus to see – the Tennessee Vols play the Kentucky Wildcats that year. Like, Oh really? Yeah. Like maybe like a week or so before the actual tournament started and Tennessee upset them. And they reference that in this movie. They do. Like, There's a little plug for the Vols there. Yeah. It was yeah. pretty cool. If so, Sean is a huge Vols fan. I am a Vols fan, but not, as big as Sean, only because I haven't always been a Vols fan. I became a Vols fan probably late in high school, early college, and he kind of grew up with it. So we both enjoy the, the Tennessee Volunteers, but his knowledge of the history is, is much more. And I didn't realize that Tennessee had beaten Kentucky uh, that year. Um, yeah. that was pretty cool. Well, what Brad is trying to say is I have a serious problem and he's <laughs> a normal citizen. <laughs> well, the Vols, unfortunately, just, they basically by what's the word I'm trying to say by default, I've, I've been a Rockets fan and an Astros fan for so long that those are just kind of, you know, number one and number two. And, and the Vols, while I ch- I cheer for them in college 100%, they just kind of take a back seat to the, to the Astros and to the Rockets, which at some point I guess we're probably going to need to talk about the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That's rough. Anyway, that's for another another baseball movie perhaps. Yeah. But, yeah, so the, the Vols got that reference. That was pretty cool. Did you happen to see when they were playing Kansas – and this, I feel like this episode's going to be a little bit everywhere because it it was there wasn't a whole lot of meat. It was a lot of basketball playing, which was which was fun. But when they were playing Kansas in the tournament, did you notice that one of their their players looked like he was forty five years old? 
uh, well, he's like mostly bald. Yes. yes. Like I'm like, I'm like, okay, how tough was it to cast a guy to play a college basketball player? Like, cause his role in the movie was he got like two rebounds or something. Yeah. Like, and they're shooting like the sim, the cinematography. We're seeing him from above. And so like this guy, it's not like his hairline was receding. <laughs> It's like there was a full like Gulf of Mexico (laughs) situation going on in his head. I mean, I mean, that's just blatant. Like, like I I get it that you're trying to show that these black guys are beating (laughs) inferior white guys. But I mean, does he have to be completely bald? Um, Yeah, that was the other thing was I was. I think my major takeaway from this movie was that in the 1960s, every white guy was just doughy. Yeah. Yeah. Just a Kevin Love dough fest. (laughs) One thing I also didn't understand when Don Haskins first met John Voight's character, Adolph Rupp at the, was it the airport? I couldn't remember if it was the airport or. I want to say it was like Dallas Love Field. They which met. by the way, which by the way, we now have John Voight playing two quasi villains, sports villains in these movies. Yeah, but I thought they did a pretty good job. I don't know what Adolf Rupp was like in real life. I don't know if he was any kind of racist or you know had a problem with African Americans. But they, I thought they did a pretty good job of not making him. You know, he never once like was ripping the other team because they had black guys. He was like, no, you're, you're no. going to let that guy elbow you. You're going to let him get in front of you. So he, yeah. I thought they did a pretty good job of that. They, they, do, yeah, they don't make him a like cartoonish racist. Like we see in some mm-hmm. movies, but they do. And, and I, I was re- doing some reading online. Like the movie got some backlash from Kentucky fans because they thought they sure. did paint Adolf Rupp because like here's all the thing like you have the momentum of the movie which is these African-American team is taking on the status quo of white teams and then even in the finals they're taking on this all white team that has never had a black player in Kentucky and I don't know if this was a thing but during the finals the Kentucky fans are all waving Confederate flags. I don't know if that was a, an actual Kentucky Wildcat thing at the time, but that's sort of adding to it. And then they do kind of show Adolph Ruff, Adolph Ruff being sort of maybe bewildered maybe a little bit that the black, not blatantly, but just a little bit like that the black players are beating his team. Yeah. And now he, yeah, he never like, he doesn't drop any in bombs or anything like that, but his name is also Adolf. And so even though he was born <laughs> way, he was probably born before Adolf Hitler. I don't know, but, but just like to the average movie goer, they're yeah. probably saying, Oh, he's the villain, even yeah. though, but, and I do know this, I do know that this was some research I did. Kentucky did not get its first black player until 1969. Yeah, but they were trying to recruit black black players before this game happened. Like they had tried to recruit Wes Unseld, I think, in 1961, and then a few others. So you know, for the movie's purposes and for dramatic purposes, they kind of set it up kind of like it had never occurred maybe to Kentucky to recruit an African American basketball player. But you know, that's that's just kind of what the movie kind of needs to establish a narrative and a good versus evil in, in some way. Yeah. 
I do know I did read that Kentucky fans did not wave Confederate flags during the game. Okay. Yeah. That 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 was a complete made up thing. And I, I thought that was a little suspect. Like I mean, I guess yeah, that probably happened. But even like the one where they were playing in Seattle and people were dumping stuff on them, apparently the team that they were playing against actually had four African-American starters. So, uh, yeah. you know, you, you get it for for the effect of drama and driving home the point. I guess that's going to happen. But Well, ironic, ironically, like, I think, like, they sort of peppered the Kentucky history with the Confederate flag, and they didn't actually do that, I guess. But I believe Ole Miss was waving Confederate flags to, like, 1990 or something. Like that. <laughs> oh, like, later I mean, than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I felt like John Voight wasn't just in-your-face villainous, but I do agree with you that, you know, like, to the average viewer who may not have maybe didn't know the history of this game or the the importance of it he might come across that but i can i can tell you that john voigt's prosthetics were the villain of this movie <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> his it his looks ears. like he went to party city and his nose <laughs> yeah was a different color like no. come on disney yeah, pony up like a little it, bit it looks like it was dripping off his face. It was horrible. Like when they did, like when you first see him, I think it's, I think it's in an airport where the two teams are and Don Haskins is like, I'm going to go say hello. So he goes and introduces himself and Adolf Rupp acts like he doesn't even understand who this person is. It's coming to talk to him, even though their team is ranked like number four, Texas Westerns is and Kentucky's ranked number one. You don't notice it as badly until you get to the press conference, I guess for the final four. It looked like they had four coaches up there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they showed a close-up of, of John Voigt and his prosthetics. <laughs> and it was alarming how bad they were. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like... When I saw that, I wondered, like, did they think maybe we don't have to actually show Adolf Rupp in this movie? And then at the last second, they're like, oh, crap, we do. And so they went out and got John Voight. And then, <laughs> you know, like, here, what do we have in the trunk? You know, and they threw well, whatever. But here's the thing. Okay, Adolf Rupp, I looked this up. He started coaching Kentucky in 1930. <laughs> okay. okay, so yeah. So he was named way before Adolf Hitler. Well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But then he coached until 1972. So he coached for 42 years from 1930 to 1972. In 2006, when this movie came out, there's not but maybe a baker's dozen people that would even know what Adolf Rupp looked like. So right. why don't you just have John Voigt playing Adolf Rupp as is instead of adding these horrible prosthetics because no one's going to know. I know. That's a, that's an amazing point. Cause I'm actually looking at pictures of Adolf Rupp right now. And he didn't really look like him, even with the prosthetics. <laughs> well, first off, I do encourage you to go find Adolf Rupp's Kansas photo. Uh, just his his posture, like his pose is, it's more like a cheerleader's pose, but, but yeah, his, like they added a good 
like three inches to the bottom of a rough nest. <laughs> well, and his earlobes. <laughs> yeah, his earlobes. His earlobes hang down around his belt in this movie. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, John Boyd now. I'm looking at his, <laughs> his Kansas photo. He's wearing, okay. He's uh, about for, to start a cheer. I know. Okay. So he's wearing a skin tight Kansas. I, I wouldn't even call it a jersey because it's more like an undershirt. Like It's like he's yeah. wearing underwear. And it says Kansas in kind of arced lettering. And his hands are on his hips, but not like with his but with his palms kind of facing up, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Like, like not, yeah. So it's like, he's like, yeah, he looks like a cheerleader. It's how the cheerleader yeah, stands. Yeah. And he's wearing two knee pads and <laughs> that are made um, out of a freshly killed cow. Yeah. And now I'm looking at this photo and I'm thinking, I don't know what Kansas's strength and conditioning program was like back then, <laughs> but it was not much. Hey, this guy's that, pretty dope. That guy, that guy could kill me right now. <laughs> if I played this guy one on one, he would dominate me. I guarantee <laughs> you that. Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah, that's that's tremendous. One thing I did was I was thinking about two things actually as I was watching this was that I really wish you know right now every NBA team has several different types of uniforms that they wear and and yeah. typically they usually have a at least one throwback if not two every year and i would love to see an nba team take it all the way back to the to the satin silks you know <laughs> to where they're actually wearing the shorts with a belt you yeah. know and because they'll do that they'll like oh these are the 1960 uniforms but they're still you know, like current. Yeah. The shorts are down to their knees and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I would love to see bringing it, bringing the old style back, even if it was just for one game, that would be pretty impressive if you could get a team to do that. I think. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, especially if they did the shoes too, like the, they were like PF flyer, uh, <laughs> shoes that look like they're made of leather. <laughs> yes. Um, the other thing I was thinking about was that, you know, Pat Riley, who is obviously like an all-time coach. Now he's like the general manager and the president of the Miami Heat and has been for a long time. He's he's won multiple championships for the NBA and as both coach, general manager, president of teams. And that's how, you know, 99.9% of people know him. Of course, I knew that he played on this team just from mm-hmm. hearing about the story. But it is hard to imagine like Pat Riley as we know him being this amazing basketball player. So what I wish is not to like go back and look at old video of these, of these players um, as they were, but you know, back in like the eighties, the seventies and eighties, I feel like throwback games. What are the old timers games were really popular and I feel like nobody does that anymore. I guess the Yankees probably do it every year, but but I would love to see more old timers games in all the sports. Maybe not football, but <laughs> like basketball yeah. and and baseball. I mean, it just seems like it would be so much fun, and you would get to see like Pat Riley, you know, and maybe 
as an 80 year old, he wouldn't be doing it. But when he was, you know, the coach for the Lakers in the eighties, you could see him do do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The old, the, yeah, the old old timers game used to be part of all-star weekend. It would be like the dunk contest and three point contest and the old timers game. And I think, I mean, I'm assuming like Wilt Chamberlain was playing in those, like those were on pay-per-view back in the day. So I never got to see him, but because you could theoretically have Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon playing in those. Yeah. But you know, it is different because even, I mean, you know, obviously Barkley's gotten a little bit bigger, but, (laughs) but you know, most, at least I would say most professional basketball players who have since retired, keep themselves in some kind of shape. You know, it's not like back in the day when they just start smoking, you know, cigars and drinking bourbon probably during their NBA career. Yeah. But, but you know, like Akeem, man, he looks like he could still play. Yeah. It was just something I was kind of sad that that's not really something anymore. And it would be fun to see. I I guess maybe it's called, they've rebranded it. It's not the, uh, old timers game anymore <laughs> it's uh it's apparently the all-star legends game um, do they still so have it i am all-star legends game i know well, they I, do a thing where they have like celebrities playing with like wnba yeah. players and maybe they have like one or two nba old timers but that's not quite the same like i'd like yeah. to see larry bird out there with dr j and who who else? I mean, Horace Grant. Yeah. Well, it's looking like maybe the last year that they had it was 1993, and I'm trying to figure <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who played in it. Just as a point of reference, I know we're not talking about the Glory Road, but this is a very important topic. <laughs> it uh, is. So okay, just so you know the the uh, okay ML Carr, Artist Gilmore. Yeah. This is a '93. Jamal Wilkes. I don't even know. Calvin Murphy. Yeah. Uh, you don't know the, these guys? Uh, Come on, Sean. Like Rod Hudley is out there with, he literally has gray hair and they, they he has an earpiece in. Is that hot Rod Hudley? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. These guys actually look pretty good. But uh, the, the YouTube title is Old Timers All-Star Game 1993. LOL exclamation point. <laughs> yeah, listen to some of these scores. In 1987, the West beat the East 54 to 43. <laughs> it's like an Air Bud game. He's right. Yeah. 40, 1992, West 46, East 38. Of course, they might have been playing four minute quarters, but I think, I think an old timers game now would look a little bit different from 1986. Yeah, for sure. Well, like if it, it you, cause you, you were saying not football, but like I would, I'd be willing to bet that Herschel Walker could yeah. go out there and get 50 yards of rushing in a current NFL game. Oh, in a current NFL game. Yeah. I thought you were going to say in a old timers, old timers game. game, he would like just give him the ball and he would <laughs> score every time. He'd be like Bo Jackson and uh, Tiger yeah. ball. I want to talk about the, basketball playing especially in the tournament where um, and I think they actually before the tournament starts they won a a game off of an alley-oop dunk now 
I, I'm not 100% familiar with 1965 college basketball, but yeah. that seemed a little like the, the alley oops um, <laughs> that they showed seemed a little, a little much. Maybe, maybe that actually happened. But the one that I really was like, okay, w- this is ridiculous <laughs> because I don't think anybody did it in a game until like Vince Carter did it in like 1999, <laughs> but yeah. where it was the championship game, like with two and a half minutes left and, and it's still kind of close, but Texas Western is up. Um, and this kind of seals the deal. A Texas Western guy drives to the basket. He's got a clear lane and he lays it up, but it's like more of a bounce pass off the backboard to a trailing, (laughs) trailing guy who slams it home. And I'm pretty sure that that was like Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady. They were the first (laughs) ones to do that. Yeah. Um, in a game, I just thought, why would you, why would you do that? Or where's the Kentucky defense? I mean, I get it that we're trying to show that these guys played a different brand of basketball, but is Kentucky's D bad enough to let that happen? Yeah, something tells me that that would not have flown over well, no matter what the situation in 1965 for (laughs) the coach, the refs, like nobody would have celebrated that. But maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Well, so uh, in the little bit of uh, internet research I did, because I don't know if this is true, but it said that the next year, 1967, dunking was banned in college basketball. Now, I had always known that dunking was outlawed while Lou Alcindor, uh, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, was in college because he was just so dominant. I, I wondered if this was Texas Western trying to glom onto that or if they were an actual reason that it was outlawed. Well, and I was wondering that too. I knew that when Lou Alcindor was at UCLA that they did ban dunking. And I was wondering when he actually played. And it looks like, yeah, he started 66-67. So if they yeah. banned it that year, that would have been his freshman year, which is interesting. Well, and it's also like... I don't, I don't know that that would happen today either. A rule changing because one guy is so dominant. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'd be like if some guy was just amazing at three pointers and they moved the three point line back. Um, or just took it away. Yeah. Just say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're not giving you three points. This is too easy for you. Yeah. So I guess they allowed dunking. Maybe it was the off the backboard alley oop dunk that made them cause. <laughs> Maybe. To uh, man dunking. But yeah, I guess it was the next year. Yeah, Texas Western did almost lose a game in this movie because somebody hung on the Yeah, that was against Kansas. Yeah, yeah. That was an interesting way to end that game. I thought that that might have been Chris Paul playing Jojo White, but it wasn't. I was kind of hoping that was Chris Chris Paul. (laughs) Yeah, they like uh, the movie Blue Chips... They use like actual players, but these none of these maybe the budget wasn't enough. But yeah, I didn't recognize anybody as actual basketball players. No, this. but I I did think that they were really good. I mean, they I've seen so many movies, especially basketball movies, where you know they they just are not <laughs> good athletes, and you're like, right. 
I don't care how good his acting is. This is this is not good, and it needs to be fixed. <laughs> but they did a good job. The guy, what was his name? Billy Joe Harris. Yeah, Bobby Joe Harris. Bobby Joe Harris. Bobby Joe Harris. Do you know what he also? What movie he played in? We'll we'll get to eventually. Is it Friday Night Lights? It is. He played Booby Miles in Friday Night oh, Lights. Sorry, sorry, my phone just. Uh, my phone just uh, completely interrupted. Siri's uh, trying to answer. Yeah, quit trying to hone in, Siri. Good grief. <laughs> uh, uh, that was a total guess that he was in Friday yeah. Night Live. In fact, Alicia was kind of watching. My wife was kind of watching it with me at first. And, mm-hmm. and as soon as she saw him, she was like, is that Booby Miles? And I was like, I don't know. But did you also notice who his girlfriend was? Yeah, it was Ash from Fresh yeah. Prince of Bel Air, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Uh, Tatiana Ali is that her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't recognize her at first. And Zoe Deschanel's sister, Emily Deschanel, yeah. played the Emily Emily Deschanel. Yeah. <laughs> Getting, I think she doesn't always get her due with her. I sister. felt like she didn't get enough screen time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she played. She played such a pivotal role in this movie. They gave her so much to do well, as his, as his wife. If, if we have to complain about John Voight's prosthetic nose and ears, <laughs> her hair, man, sometimes it was like a foot up in the air and sometimes it was just normal. And I was like, what's going on with the hairstyles here? I know it's the 60s, but a little bit of consistency would, would play well. Right. I thought it was fun. I thought it was it was heartworm, heartworming, heartwarming little bit lesser version of Remember the Titans. Yeah, there was no strong side, left side moment yeah, uh, yeah. in this, which I get, we'll get to that. Uh, well, you knew that there was going to be a moment where they kind of gelled together the the yeah. black guys and the white guys, and that was when they went to the, <laughs> to the house party, which we didn't yeah. talk about, which was right. fun. But, it, you know, it was all fairly, no pun intended, vanilla. As far as, yeah, the whole movie, it was like they, you know, they tried to play up uh, some of the scenes like where they walked into the hotel and all the derogatory names were smeared in red blood or red paint or whatever. But it just, I don't know. Well, there was so so much about the story that just didn't seem to really hit. Like I felt like they meant for it to. Well, a few things. A, like when you're talking about racism, it's this like really deep seated, ugly thing that is not always going to be PG 13 or yeah. PG. And yeah, so, this was a PG movie. Yeah. So that, so they had to kind of like make something that in my opinion, like isn't PG PG. And another thing that you see with a, like a lot of movies are like this, like the help is like this. They have to like really take something that's com- a complete mess and make it, seem again no pun intended like really black and white it's like mm-hmm. okay here's the guys who are dropping the end bombs and uh they're ab- abusing the team they're sticking the guy's head in the toilet they are evil and then here's this coach he's he's the only one who understands and he's good and so now we have our, our bad guys and our good guys mm-hmm. and the racists are just like really racist. And so I think this may be a slightly controversial statement, but it, it allows a white audience to go in and not have to deal with any like 
anything that may be going on in their minds. Like they yeah. get to look at the people on the screen and say, um, well, good grief. I'm, I'm not like that. Thank yeah. goodness. Uh, yeah. and so, and so we, we can easily cast them as the villains, not have to deal with, uh, anything that like we may have going on or any middle ground that's going to be tough to deal with. And then there's a hero at the end. They, they win, they win the game, they win the championship and everything, but that does not always make for an interesting movie. It makes yeah. for, for an easy movie. Yeah. Yeah. We all want to believe that we're the Don Haskins or even the yeah. assistant coach, you know, who yeah. starts to tear up at one point because of yeah. how his players are being treated. So I think that this would be a good time to, to transition into the, to the rating, but I haven't been able to come up with any good rating system. You have any any idea? Okay, well, I I can't remember this character's name, but there is a nerdy white guy on the team who wears mm-hmm. like Rexpec type goggles. Yeah, Buddy Holly <laughs> Rexpec. Yeah, yeah, Buddy. <laughs> he has a buzz cut, and he sort of plays the sort of the dorky guy on the team. So, um, I'm going to propose that our rating system be dorky white guy rec specs sounds good so yeah. on a scale of one to five dorky white guy buddy holly rec specs how many would you give this two it's to me it's just it's there's some nice scenes in it there's obviously the message is good but it's like you said it's too vanilla they rush through so many things like i i don't i never got a sense of like really how the coach was teaching the team anything. It just, it's just kind of like, it's a movie that's about sports and race that is completely going through the motions. And I feel like I'm being kind of generous giving it a two. Yeah. I I think I'm right there with you giving it to dorky white guy, buddy, Holly (laughs) Rex specs, because like I said, it, it just seemed kind of bland now it's an incredible story. I think I, I can remember yeah. when I, when I they didn't do the story justice. Yeah, I when I heard about this story for the first time, I was probably eighth or ninth grade, maybe maybe as late as tenth, and it really was kind of like, oh, really? That's that's a really cool story. It's kind of, you know, the fact too that it was Texas Western. I, you know, for those who might not know, you know that. Even when Texas Western became University of Texas El Paso, UTEP, it's not like this is a powerhouse school. So, and never was. And so, for them to actually not just do well, but for it to be the first five black starting team and they won the national championship that first year. And then they never really, I mean, they went to the tournament many times under Don Haskins. Wait a second. Hold up. Uh, they won it the first year. Well, the first year that they had five starters. Oh, okay. Not, not his, okay. not his first year of coaching, but oh. the first year that they actually had five yeah. starters. Yeah, it's an amazing story, and the, you know that they never got close to that kind of success again. But obviously, it was something that really had humongous ripple effects throughout basketball altogether, not just college, but everywhere. Is, it's a really neat story. And 
I just don't feel like they, they I mean, you kind of see how, like, I think I would have liked to have seen how the, the team handled it a little bit better. Like you see that at the very beginning, they're kind of chippy with each other. Of course they have an epic lunchroom <laughs> basketball game with, <laughs> with a, a head, head of lettuce, of lettuce which yeah. I thought, I thought maybe that's where your wife was laughing. Oh, <laughs> cause that was pretty funny. But you know, you see a couple of hard fouls in the games but it's not really like you never see how they interact with each other in yeah, a and they, and they shoot like they shoehorn in stuff that kind of diverts attention like okay the the one kid had a heart condition yeah and they kind of play that for some sentimentality but they don't get deep into that either it's just sort of like it's just very surface level. Yeah. So anyway, I would have liked to have seen them get into a little bit more in depth of some of the story about the team itself and how they kind of came together. And, uh, because I mean, one thing I, I kept thinking about was that these guys, these, and they kind of touch on it briefly. I think at one of the last games of the season where they lose, but you know, these white guys, really were you know the team and they were the starters and the coach brings in these these black guys and they just kind of become the team and so it would have been interesting to see how those guys handled taking a back seat to these like i said they kind of touched on it and it was and it was kind of a cool point where they were like you know all of a sudden i'm I'm having to take a back seat to you guys. And the the other guy was like, listen, that's our whole life. And it kind of right. shut them up. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. pretty cool, but it, it could have shown us that instead of seeing so many practices or the black players going down to Mexico, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Well, and then, yeah. More about the team. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in that game against Kentucky, it was significant because, Coach Haskins decided he wasn't not only was he going to start uh, five black players that in that game he didn't play a single white player and that was a conscious mm-hmm. decision that he made yeah. you know but we don't really get you know, an in-depth reason of why or if he kind of sensed the weight of the moment and he thought you know I need, I want to uh, be on the right side of history or anything like that like we didn't we never really get that deep into it great story and really cool, but the movie was found kind of lacking. I felt like, but uh, apparently it did really well at the box office. I think it was number one the week that it came out. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I had never seen it before. Had you ever seen it? Yeah, I had seen it before. Yeah. But a long time ago, like maybe 10 years ago. Now I do expect coach Carter to be like (laughs) five doughy white boy rex specs can't wait for <laughs> yeah, coach carter I, i've seen coach carter i have not well. <laughs> i haven't yeah. seen coach carter maybe we'll draw it next maybe we'll, well let's uh let's go ahead and move on to that that portion of the podcast we will let me just scroll down to see how many we have now i added a couple or just one it looks like there is a new ben affleck movie that's coming out that will be mm-hmm. added to the list at some point. So we've got 199. All right. I added Ford versus Ferrari. So uh, okay. We can do we, and we do the thing where we like say what we hope it's going to be. Yeah. Do you, yeah. You want to do that? Yeah. Are, are the Dorf on golf? <laughs> <laughs> are they in here? 
Um, they are they are being added right now. Okay. I don't even know if they're movies. I know that they're VHS tapes that you can get. Oh my gosh. My okay, so my grandfather had probably five thousand VHSs in his in this closet. And like literally every movie you could think of. He would record he had, you know, this is back in the eighties and early nineties, and he would record you know, three movies per VHS off of satellite. So he had HBO, Showtime, Cinemax. And literally, like he had this spreadsheet that you could find a movie by title, you could find it by date, all, all these kind of things. And I found Dorf on Golf <laughs> through my grandfather. And he wasn't my grandfather. He was like my step-grandfather. Yeah. But, but I found those through his closet and... When we would go to Nashville to visit, I would watch that tape. I watched that. <laughs> I watched the Police Academy movies and Clue over oh, yeah. and over and yeah. over and over again. That's great. Well, and if you're if you're listening and you're unfamiliar of what Dorf on Golf <laughs> is, it is a it's a comedy bit uh, cooked up by Tim Conway of the Carol Burnett Show. And the uh, what I remember the premise is is he is on a set <clears throat> that is a golf course or like the golf green or whatever, and he's standing in two holes to where he's up to his knees, but they put two shoes like a pair of shoes by his knees, so it looks like he's really short and <laughs> periodically he'll fall over or lean over <laughs> and the comedy and hilarity just ensues. Uh, oh, watch out. Comedy genius really is yeah. what it is. Yeah, YouTube, uh, YouTube Dorf on golf and get ready to laugh. So that's going to make my, my hope um, for the next <clears throat> movie seem lame, <laughs> but I was thinking about this the other day. I am excited to see there's a movie by Richard Linklater that is like the eighties version of dazed and confused called everybody <clears> wants <throat> some. And I'm yeah. really kind of looking forward to seeing that because I am an eighties child, even though I wasn't like in high school at that point, I do have a huge fondness for the eighties <clears> and I would love, I, I love dazed and confused. Yeah. So what's the sport? What sport does it cover? It's like high school baseball. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that is like days and confused. Yeah. Um, so, and, and is, is vision quest on our list? Don't believe vision quest is. You need to add that. Cause that's a, uh, it's a high oh, yeah, school it is. It wrestling is. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've never Madonna's seen it. Madonna's in it. Madonna's in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like pre fame Madonna. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So Madonna, 1980s Madonna. I thought she was cute. Heck yeah. We all know, or at least you know, that I have always thought that Cindy Lauper was cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Madonna, I wasn't a huge fan. I wasn't a huge fan of the waffle iron uh, hair pattern, but so so my question to you is 1980s Madonna or 1980s Cindy Lauper? This one's not even close. <laughs> like uh, this is not this is not Texas Western versus Kentucky. This is Texas Western versus the first team that they played. <laughs> yeah. Um, in real life, I guess. But uh, I'm definitely going Madonna. Okay. Right. Well, that's and, your and mistake. It, it's not, you know, listen, Cindy Lauper is fine, but yeah, this is just, listen, 
Cindy Lopper's still got it. <laughs> yes, every time I see her on those uh, <laughs> diabetes commercials or whatever she's on. No. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> All right. So we've got the the random number generator going. And it is going to be 153. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good one. I'm excited about this one. This is, I think, a Kevin Bacon hmm. joint air Kevin. up there. <laughs> the air up there. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, okay. Yeah. This is going to be very unpolitical correct, I think. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh, the air up there. So, man, this is two basketball movies in a row. Yeah. Kevin Bacon. That's what it is. I never saw this one. Did you ever see this one? I, this will be my first time to watch this. I know the premise is he goes to some somewhere in Africa and teaches him to play basketball or something. Yeah. It reminds me of like, I guess it was maybe Airplane. Yeah. The, uh, yeah where the, they, the, where they the, like the Peace Corps. Peace Corps and they yeah. taught these guys. It's like they took that five you know, minute section of airplane and made a whole movie out of it. That's what I've always yeah. kind of imagined. Uh, the yeah. Air up I, there is. yeah. I could be totally wrong, but that's what the premise I've maybe because of that airplane scene, I've yeah. uh, assumed. Well, that was, that was fun. Can't wait to do the air up there. So thank you for listening to slow pitch where all of our shorts are short and our skirts are long. Whatever that means. <laughs> Bye. Peace. <laughs> I don't care if I never get back, let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame, for it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. That's going to be this one. Thank you for listening to Slow Pitch. Let me let me redo that one. Let me, let me also say this. Did you notice how... <laughs> how the uniforms were inverse? So... Men were wearing really short shorts, but the, and I guess they really only showed the Kentucky cheerleaders had like culottes down to like that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, uh, I was going to say, say something to that effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did the, were those Kentucky cheerleaders in uh, 1966 so. or Harding cheerleaders in <laughs> 1999? Yeah.